Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Okay, so I want everyone that's listening, including Courtney and myself, to take a deep breath. And I don't know when this is going to air, but I can assure you that it'll be relevant because we are nonstop mamas and we can barely breathe. Courtney and I were just discussing that we are like, we both are not emotional people and we both cried like within the last 24 hours. We're just <laughs> fatigued, right? Yes. Yes. We're exhausted. Very, very. I want to introduce Courtney. I've got this little cute bio about her. She helps women who crave more from their life, rediscover who they are and get clear on what they want so they can create a life they're excited to wake up to. She, she is acknowledged like myself that she's an overachieving good girl. I turned into a bad girl later. Um, <laughs> I read your book. Courtney, Courtney, will you say hello to everybody? Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's really great to be so here. Courtney and I pretty much fell in friendship love right away. I love, love at first chat when we first connected and I'm just excited to have you on. And so Courtney's a coach, but before we get to your coaching, I need to give street cred to my peeps so they can understand that you understand. So we're going to go back into your divorce land. Yes. So yes. Courtney, before we get started, let's go all the way back to you and your husband, which is a term I learned. It's not mine, but that. I love it. I love it. I love I hate saying ex, right? So your husband. That's so good. Was your husband. Um, so tell me what, what married life was like before kids. Yeah. So, um, well, let's see. That's a good question. What was married life before, like before kids? Um, you know, we were both, we both had careers. I was an engineer, an aerospace engineer, and he was also an aerospace engineer and went to school, law school to get his law degree. Um, so, I mean, we were just, you know, doing the things that you're supposed to do as a grown up, like work and save money to buy a house and do all the grown up things. Did you, know? you guys have similar goals? Like, did you want the same kind of life? Yeah, I think so. For the most part. Um, I think like at that time in my life, I was really kind of unbeknownst to me struggling with who I really was. I mean, I think a lot of us when we're young are really, even if we don't realize it kind of in that position. Um, so I don't know if I really, I thought I knew what I wanted, but I didn't probably really know. <laughs> How old were you when you got married? I was 23. So I was pretty what, young. A baby. Yeah. See, I was 24 when I met my husband. And when he met me, he was like, he didn't want to date me because we met on a dating service and he was 32 and uh, he didn't think I would be serious about wanting to get married and he wanted to get married. And I was like, I'm a female and we've been basically bred to when are you going to find someone to get married? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Can you imagine right now a 23 year old making a decision of who they want their life partner to be? No, I mean, I've seen, I've, uh, I can't even remember who it is, but like I heard a, somebody I know or somebody I know's daughter or some, you know, some acquaintance or something had um, told me about someone who got married at like 23 or 24. And I was like, oh, why? <laughs> at the time, and nothing, if anyone listening is like right. and getting married, nothing against that. Like when I was that age, it didn't seem young because like all my friends were in the same boat. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd, just got, I'd gotten done with college. I had like a, I had a really good job. I was making really good money. You know, it just seemed like it was like the next, it was like the next expected step. Yep. It was the next box on the floor. Right. Exactly. So you, and you talk about that on your site about checking boxes. And I, I was big into that. And that's actually when I met my husband, he checked all the boxes because he was nothing like anyone I've ever dated because everyone I dated was not working out for me. And he wanted to have a family. He wanted to have kids. He was from my hometown, even though we weren't, we didn't meet, you know, there. And he was Jewish. And I was like, okay, my parents are going to be thrilled. But we didn't, I didn't look under the hood too much. He was a kind person. We enjoyed each other. But looking back, I'm able to see red flags. Are you able to see them now? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, the biggest red flag, honestly, was like, I honestly hadn't had a lot of real serious relationships before him. Like, I, I met him when I was interning at Boeing in Seattle during a summer, a summer internship. And I had a boyfriend, like I use the air quotes boyfriend <laughs> back in Minnesota. Well, you know, that I, you know, went for the summer. As we were. Yes. So you, your friends are all getting married or they're in that place. You're, we were talking about red flags. Yeah. So I think that like, for me, I had this boyfriend back while well, I was in Seattle, it was in Seattle for the summer when I met my ex and I had this boyfriend back at home and you know, it was, he wasn't, he was not that great either. But anyway, so my point is I didn't really know what I want. I mean, how many of us really do, but, um, I do today today. Yes. We have to go through all this Right. We have to find out what we don't want before we can figure out what we do want. Yeah. So, I mean, the red flags would be, I mean, okay. So let me, I'll just like, I'm going to jump ahead. Don't tell them the fun part of the story yet. You have to kind of get them there. Yeah. Okay. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that there were things that, well, here's probably the biggest one. One Christmas, it was the Christmas before we were supposed to get married. And my mom, I was up late and my mom was like, we were visiting home with like, we lived in um, Seattle, but my parents are from Minnesota. So we were there. And my mom was like, are you sure he's the right one for you? And I was like, oh, what? Like, how can you do this to me? I'm getting married in like five months. And what like, do you think she was talking about? They didn't, they never liked him. Okay. They never liked them. They didn't Did they tell, ever tell you why. No. And actually it was really more my dad that didn't like him. And my mom kind of just, you know, did whatever my dad did. Right. So, and they never really told me that. And I think I always sensed it, but, um, so, so of course I was like, what, like, how, how can you do this to me now? Like, I can't. So, it, and we were living together also at the same time. Right. So you probably had picked up your dress already. Probably. I think so. (laughs) So it was really hard because like when you're living with someone, it's very difficult to separate your feelings, you know, from just being together. And so I think, I think I kind of, I probably went through some of that, like, yeah, I don't know if this is right, but I was kind of, oh, it's just, it's just pre jitters. Like it's fine. How are you supposed to know? 
Right. And then it's also really difficult to say this, oh, I changed my mind, especially if you're not somebody who is in a place where they totally really know who they are yet, you know? Yes. So, I mean, those were probably some big red flags. And then like, there are some, I mean, well, the other red flags will probably come We'll out get later. there. Okay. So you get story. married regardless of your concerns or, huh, yeah. And- Things are going well, no kids. Then you have kids. How far into your marriage do you have kids? Um, oh gosh, it was a while. I didn't have my son until I was like um, late 20s, like probably 29. So we were married, you know, for six years or whatever before we had kids. Um, and then my my daughter didn't come along until seven years later. So, you know, we, we didn't have them all. Boom, boom, boom. We, I just have two kids. But yeah, so we had a lot of time to um, have fun. And we always had a, we always had a lot of fun together. We had um, like, we, I could say we were probably like, I could probably legitimately say we were like best friends. Like, you know, we, um, we would have a great time together. We had some similar interests, but then I had a lot of other interests. Cause I'm one of those people that just has a million different interests, but um <laughs> Um, I guess one of the things that now that we're talking that always I kind of wondered about is he never really seemed to have a lot of like guy friends, like, or he didn't really have a lot of his own friends, which was odd to me. Um, And I'm a pretty social person. I mean, I'm kind of, I would say I'm an extroverted introvert. So I like my alone time, but like, so I think that- Wait, extroverted introvert is what? Because I think I am an introvert trapped in an extrovert's body. So like, I'm really good at being extroverted, but I actually prefer only staying home. I like think stay at home orders yeah. for me are fabulous, except for that my kids can't go to school. Yeah. Yeah. I think like I'm, I'm on a similar page as you, like basically like I love being with people. I love connecting with other people. I don't like being home all the time. I, I need to get out and be with be away, but I can't do it for a long time. I need to come home. I need to recharge. Yeah. I get exhausted. Yes. Yes. Unless it's a really awesome conversation and it's about yeah. deep stuff. I yes. can't do parties where I have to sit and just be like, what do you do? How old are your kids? I'm like, oh, somebody take me out. It's, it's exhausting. Yeah, yeah, I can do it for a little while and I don't mind it doing for a little while. But um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's that's so kind of what little I mean. things along the way. When did things start to crack? You know, it, they didn't really. Um, it's weird because like, I think we kind of, I don't know if I could say crack even because like we kind of did that whole thing where we felt like we were sort of, roommates for a while yeah I was just talking about that with people that that that's one of the things I see more than anything on surveys that I do are we feel like roommates and I'm like that's a euphemism for we're not banging in the bedroom like there's no physical intimacy like we're not things I'm not my love tank in that area is very very low yeah yeah I mean I think it was probably um well when we were before my son was born uh, we lived in Savannah, Georgia, and my ex, he got, my husband, yes. <laughs> I love he um, got a job with a big law firm in Los Angeles. And so, you know, it was a, it was a big, fo- it was a foot in the door to a big firm and potentially a lot of money and partner and all that stuff. And I really didn't want to go. I didn't want to move to LA. I had friends in Savannah. I had a great job. Um, and at the end of the day, I was like, I mean, I was ready to say, you go, sorry, I'm not, I'm not going. (laughs) I was ready to say that, which was probably a red flag too. But then at the end of the day, I was like, well, you know, we want to have a family and this is a good, um, this is a good step financially for us, you know? And so when we got to LA, I was really not happy. I didn't know anyone. I felt very isolated. 
Um, I didn't have a job. My, one of my things was I wasn't going to go there with and look for a job right away. I was going to be, I was going to get settled and then I would look for a job. Well, then I found I was pregnant. So it didn't really make sense to go. Right. I'd like a job and then I'd leave. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think through that time, just me feeling, I mean, I really was probably pretty depressed because I was right. You're not working. You just moved across the country. Literally you're having your first baby. Yeah. I didn't have anyone there to share it with. You know, my parents were back in Minnesota and, you know, I didn't. You have no friends. Right, right. And LA is a tough place. I don't know. It's it's just a tough place to meet people, like make meaningful relationships, in my opinion. I'm sure Mm -hmm. not everyone feels that way. But um, so, you know, that I think it was kind of heading that direction all that time. And then when my son was born, it was kind of you know, baby, like it's, you're tired. I think things just kind of, kind of got more like that. Um, and then like he ended up, it ended up being where that law firm was just a sweatshop and it was just not family friendly. And we ended up long story short, we ended up leaving, um, LA to go to Washington DC where I am now. Um, and things got quite a bit better. I would say like, just, he was much happier. Um, but I was also struggling with just a lot of like stuff myself. And so I, I mean, like there wasn't a lot going on in the bedroom, but a lot of that was like me. Cause I had a lot of body image stuff and just, I yeah, you mentioned in your, on your website about bulimia and an eating disorder. I had an eating disorder from age nine actively until 21. And then mentally until last year, until I finally hired a coach, Sarah Heilman, I'll always recommend her. And she I went to her and I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need your help. Cause she's also a nutritionist and like, you know, a trainer. And I was like, I don't need your help with figuring out what the right food I need to eat. I don't need your help figuring out how to exercise. I need, I mean, she helped me with those things. I need help letting go of the insanity in my brain because it's killing me. Yes. Like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Yeah. And so when yeah. you're so unhappy, it, it's going to affect the other person. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, I mean, I struggled with it from the time I was in junior high until, um, and it was kind of an off and on thing, you know, as it happens where sometimes it's worse than others. But when I was in college, it got real bad. And I, um, I went, I went for quote unquote help, but I didn't want anyone to know about it. So, I mean, as you know, in recovery, you can't really just do it as a secret. (laughs) And how old's your daughter right now? She is almost 11. She'll be 11 in a week and a half. So when you look at her, you're thinking like, I was around that age when I started to think about those things about my body. Yeah, I know. It scares the, it scares I know, the I know. I'm very careful about, um, I'm very careful about what I say in front of her in terms of um, just how I talk about my body. Right. Like if someone says you look great, you're not allowed to say, ugh, are you kidding? Yes. Exactly. Thank you. Um, yeah. And like there were, there were a couple of years ago, I came to the realization because like you, I was also very much just, it's like, I finally, I finally got help. Um, it kind of flared up after she was born. Right. And yeah. so I finally went and got like real help to really like go into real recovery. Um, so it was like 10 years ago. And, um, but you know, I mean, it just, it takes a long right. time. Even though you can physically stop being harmful, the voices yeah. in your head of, I would have these voices in my head that were like, okay, I don't like the weight you're at or what you look like. So now you're not going to be allowed to have this, this, and this. You're only allowed to have this. Do I need to put a sign outside of the, you know, refrigerator door that says you're not allowed to have, I mean, like, and it's exhausting. And I, and I heard that voice in my head and I was like, I don't, I'm sick of her. Like I was at that time I was 39 or 40 and I'm like, 
I, this is the best it's going to get from here. Like it's not going, I am not going to improve physically from here. I better like this. Like it's so true. Like, yeah. And it sounds like you had a similar moment to me. I just realized one, one day in the mirror, it was probably a couple of years ago. And I, I looked and I was, you know, I, oh God, I'd, you know, squeeze yeah. the, I'd be yeah. pinching my rolls, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is so gross. Oh God. You know, and it occurred to me, it occurred to me that I would never say that to somebody that I loved. And you would never speak to them again if they said it to you. No. And so I made I, that day, I made the commitment that I would work on that. And yeah. um, I, my vocabulary is very important. And I threw up my scale. Yeah. I, st I still have my scale, but I, I don't more, you know, what more of what it is, is that I weigh myself because I don't want to be afraid of it. It's really what it is. That's interesting. It's, I found out that yeah. it never made me happy when I saw the number. Like there was no number that I was like, oh, I feel happy. That, that number makes me feel happy. Yeah. I don't like, I um Yeah. I don't, I, I kind of, I don't weigh myself a lot, but I mean, I guess I do like once a week, which is for a long time, I didn't weigh myself at all. And yeah. then I kind of didn't have a concept of where I am. And then I kind of felt like, well, does it really matter? And it doesn't, it doesn't, but I don't really want to get into that place where I like it. There were like, maybe it was like three years ago. I did not feel good about my weight. I had gained some weight just through the divorce, became kind of a party girl, drank a lot and put on some like 20 pounds, maybe, maybe 30, <laughs> I don't know, 20 ish. And, and I was having my boyfriend, um, like write down the numbers or not write down the numbers, write down how much I had gained or lost. So I didn't know the number. And, and then one day I actually accidentally saw the number and it freaking ruined me for that. I know like me too. Terrible. And so I didn't want, I was like, I don't want to ever be like that again. We're a number freaking. Right. I didn't be, it wasn't even just that is I didn't want to be that upset about this. Like it made me so upset that I was upset. Like I was upset that I was upset. And yeah. the reason why this is important for those listening is once you go through the divorce, you have to redefine who you are and what you are and am I attractive and, and what do I want and all those things that we're going to get into about your coaching. But the, what's so important about this discussion is that it is up to us to get mm -hmm. there. Like we have, yeah. so for me, I've changed the dialogue. I don't talk about being skinny or heavy. I talk about being healthy and mm -hmm. fit and strong. Yeah. And, you know, because those are positive words. I don't look at any of those like, you know, back-to-back -back pictures of what people look like before and after. I don't look at any of those. I don't follow anyone that does that, any of those beautiful things and skinny. And it just makes me insane. And I, I want to be free and I want to raise children that love themselves. And I, I spent probably 35 years hating my body and I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. Oh, so with you. Amen. Right. <laughs> so wait, wait, so we're getting back. Let's just lead up to the end. So tell us yeah. what your big aha moment was that ended your marriage oh yeah it was it was, it oh, was yeah. a fun one um <laughs> it happens more often than you I, I ever knew but yeah so about six years ago I mean we were making plans to go out for dinner with a friend and um I mean things things seem things were a little weird uh for a while and he he seemed very strange he was seemed like he was going through some depression and he kind of asked can we go to counseling and I was like oh sure are, are we okay though like are right. you and he was like yeah, that's always yeah. a scary thing when you're when your partner asks if you if we can go to counseling yeah yeah and so then he was like well you know I really think I need to go to counseling first I mean I have some stuff and I you know I want to work out before we both go I'm like okay that's cool and then 
you know, it was a so few when he said later. that, are you like asking him like, what's going on? Like, do you want to talk to me about it or? Yeah, kind of. And he was like, I just have some stuff. And it's funny because like, we didn't really talk a lot about, he didn't really talk a lot about his feelings. Like Mm -hmm. he was, I always thought it's funny because I thought I knew him so well. He's my husband, but I always thought he was very chill. Nothing ever bothered him. Well, it really turns out he was just kind of shoving everything down the whole time. But um, yeah. So, I mean, he didn't really elaborate. He's just like, no, everything's fine. I just feel like our marriage could be stronger. That's really, I think what his words were. Um, so fast forward to Be like, Oh, how know, lucky am I? I've got, a, I've got a partner that wants to make our marriage stronger. This is awesome. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. So this all started in like the fall of, you know, 2013, I guess it was. And then, you know, and in, into the spring was when he's like, okay, now I think I'm ready to do it. And then he was going to find somebody never did. And then fast forward to that summer um, we were making plans to go out for dinner with a friend and she was texting his phone. So I picked his phone up to um, answer the text. And there was a message that came up, an email that said, good morning, sexy. And I was like, hmm, I might want to look at this. And um, I, I read it and I just, my jaw dropped. It was from this guy that he had been, um, he had made friends with this guy at his gym and they would work out together and go running together. And then they started playing hockey together. And Have I was you known excited. about him as like the guy that he's hanging out with? Yeah. His friend. And I was all excited. Oh, he has one he's of his got own a friend. Guy Yay. Because <laughs> I said earlier, remember how he didn't really have a yeah. lot of like his own friends. And so I was all like, yay, he's got a friend. <laughs> and well, it turns out that they had been um, hanging out or they've been having an affair. Let's just yeah. put it out there for like eight months. And so, um, initially so did you find this me. out that night that night when you're holding the phone that's when you found it out yeah yeah I read through some emails and um it was very clear and I said to him right then and there I said um there's there's some emails that I think we need to talk about and the minute he opened his mouth I knew because he had it had this shaky voice like oh yeah and uh, thank God my son was away at Boy Scout camp that week. And my daughter was only like uh, four. So she was like, you know, still. Did you cancel your dinner plans? Um, I, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank God. Did. I was like, please yes, don't go to dinner. <laughs> no, we, yeah. It's funny because that particular woman, um, it's funny. She's no longer, she no longer talks to me. She hangs out with him all the time, which is so bizarre, but I wonder whatever. if she knew. Um, I don't know, but what's really interesting about it, and this is kind of a tangent, but she was one of the first friends I told about it. And she was all like, oh, I'm so here for you. Like, we're both friends, but like, you know, or I'm friends with both of you, but I'm loyal to you. Like, we'll help, we'll work through this. She's a social worker. And she's like, I'll help you guys. Like, would you, would you want me to talk to him too? And at the time I'm like, yes. Cause I was so so freaked out about what am I going to do? I had been like a stay-at-home mom and I had my own like part-time right. photography gig for like 12 years. Right. So I was like, what the hell am I going to do? Um, not to mention, you know, I had this whole picture of what the dream family looked like. So right. like, you know, um, so yeah, and you had, I, it. You had but, it on the outside. I had it too, which is just a good reminder yeah. that when we start looking at other people on social media, or we think that someone's life looks a certain way and must be so awesome. 
my, I think my number one life lesson that I'll always know is that everyone has a story and you don't know what it is. You just don't know. That's so, so yeah. what is your mindset at this point? Yeah. Are you like, I can't stay or are you trying to stay? What do you think? Where's your mind? Well, my, my first, my, my first thing was like, it's going to be over. But then he begged me not to leave. He's like, I still love you. I don't know if I'm gay. Like, I just, I don't know. And so, you know, he told me that he had just not been happy in our marriage and told me the reasons why. And to me, I was like, okay, those seem like, well, I mean, if you're not gay, those seem like very fixable issues. So, um, so we decided that we would then go to marriage counseling and, um, uh, that was a tough time. Like in hindsight, I wish I would have just left, you know, because that those five months were, they were hell for me, not yeah. knowing what was going to happen. I was doing research on how to make this kind of a marriage work, like, which would mean that he would have his own little life on the, you know, on the outside. So you and were considering that, that you were considering that. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was hanging on so tight, you know, and in my head, I was like, well, I have two kids. I have to make this work. And, um, looking back, I'm like, you know, I was just so scared. And of course I want to do what's right for my kids, but you know, doing something that's not right for me is also not right for my kids. Say, we so, say it again, say it again. Doing what's, uh, what did I say? Doing what's not for right for me is not doing what's right for my right. kids. Right. I mean, so what I, what I Googled before I figured out my thing was, should I say for my kids? And like the, oh yeah, what's known across like, you know, society is you stay for the kids. And what I've found since I've been doing this work is that's the worst possible reason to stay because the kids not only will be gone one day, but that, that means yeah. you're giving them this relationship as their role model of what love looks like. Uh, and my favorite question that yeah. I've ever heard is, would you want your marriage for your kids? Would you want your daughter or your son to stay with someone, regardless of the gender of who they were with, who's having an affair while you're married to them? Right. Oh, yeah. you know, I bet it was probably yeah, hard to separate the- that. Like, he's just having an affair, besides the fact that he's also having an affair with someone that you didn't think he even liked gender-wise. Right. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it, it, I couldn't believe it, you know? And, and then when we were going through this, when I agreed to go to counseling, because that was, I had some conditions. I was like, okay, well, I'll go to counseling, but you need to tell me any question I ask you about this, you must answer, which he did not want to do. I was like, okay, then deal. It's over then. You need right. to answer every question. Um, and you cannot have any contact with this guy ever again. And what's interesting, here's a red flag, um, <laughs> is that first of all, he didn't want to answer the questions because he knew they would hurt me a lot. And they did but I had to know the extent of it. And then also after the fact, he couldn't not contact the guy. Like I caught him like five times or maybe not five, but it was, I mean, you know, if I caught him three times or probably 10 times, you know, so I caught him and he would, he would listen to, he'd be out on our deck in the hammock. He'd be, he was like just brooding over this loss of this relationship, like listening to like Morrissey or something. And I'm just like, really? Like you're doing this in front of me, you know, I'm like, so, I mean, there are some things looking back that if I were who I am today, I would have been like, uh, yeah, I am not, Isn't I'm that amazing? like, I'm not putting I just up. I love what you just said. Like if we were the, w- the women that we've become today, if we were them, when we were going through what we went through, I would have done so many things differently, 
but it takes what it takes to get to where we are, right? Like same with my current marriage, who I'm with, uh, with an amazing person, but there were things that I accepted and did during the process of us getting together that I would never do today because of who I've become, which is what I want to get into yeah. that you do with women. So before we get into what you do with women, I just want to wrap this part up and ask you, how is your co-parenting today? Today, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, today it's pretty good. During the divorce, it was not so good. And Miserable. like, I, I, yeah, I have some, and I, I was not mentally super healthy during that time either. I just really, I had such extreme depression and I was not, I did not show up for my kids in the way that I am proud of. I, you know, and I think my son who was 12 at the time, um, uh, he's, you know, he, I know that that was hard for him. Um, what do you think, just, what do you wish you would have done differently? I was so depressed. Like I would have, a, I had a hard time just functioning, you know? And so he probably had to help me with things that, um, I don't know. I mean, in a normal time, if I was feeling fine, they probably wouldn't be things that would be weird to have him help me with, you know, but the fact that his mom couldn't get off the couch, like was probably, or out of bed was probably, you know, that kind of stuff where, you know, he remembers that. And in fact, like I found his college essay from, um, he's a freshman in college now. And so last year I found his college essay. He didn't want his dad or I to read it. I actually found it. It was laying out on his dresser and it was kind of funny because it was almost like he left it there for me to find kind of, but yeah, um, it was about, it was so hard to read. It was about how, you know, he went through what he went through and how, um, he had to take care of his sister and how he, I think he might, he possibly maybe not <laughs> made it a little embellished. I, cause I don't remember it quite that way, but I mean, not to diminish his experience. I mean, it was hard for him. So, um, you know, he talks about a lot of just the tension between his dad and I, and, um, his dad, I mean, we get along fine now, but his dad, to be quite frank was, I mean, he was just, he was a, just a jerk during the whole thing. Everything was a fight. And, and to me, I'm like, look, and he's a lawyer. So I felt very like he wanted to do everything with mediation. I, I would have loved that. However, I felt very bullied because every time I want, I try to stand up for something that I felt was, was right. And mine, it was, there were a lot of, um, that he just had, he knew the buttons to push. Right. And yeah. so I felt very bullied. I was like, I can't do this with you. I can't do mediation. I need somebody that can advocate for me. Right. I'm not in a place where I can do that for myself. Um, and so later, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars later, he, he actually blamed me for it being so expensive. <laughs> it's like, maybe you shouldn't fight me on everything then. Right. Like, you know, and it was stuff like, you know, alimony and I had given up a pretty good career to have yeah. kids and we had made that decision together. So I felt, yeah. you know, that that's something that I, I had coming to me and I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is and things like that. But, um, yeah, it was a rough few years, uh, but now we get along fine. I don't really, I mean, he's, it's, he's not somebody I choose to spend my time with, but, um, do you guys, do you guys show up at like birthdays together or, or like graduation? Like, I mean, obviously there was COVID, so you didn't have great, you know, physical graduation, but like, do you show up for the kids at those kind of events together? 
Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we're, it's not like we can't be in the same room. So like, we don't typically plan like a birthday party where we all show up, like, you know, for one of the kids, but like, if, if there's a, like my son, he was in marching band, like we'd go to that or like, they'd have like, um, you know, school functions, like we'd show up to those together or, you know, it wasn't like we didn't want to show up together or, you know, at the same place. Right. We didn't get along. Um, we can be in the same room. If somebody invited both of us to a party, like we can totally handle that and have, you know, and you know his and actually his partner he's actually with someone different now but they and they got married about a month and a half ago or so but um were you invited no (laughs) (laughs) they actually is another sticky spot but they actually got married in Martha's Vineyard um they went on vacation (laughs) took the kids on vacation I didn't know they were getting married so I was a little upset that I didn't know that was happening but um so they came back from vacation and the kids were like oh dad and I got married like oh oh congratulations I would have known I would have sent a gift yeah that was a little hard I didn't anticipate how hard that would be for me but it was hard um but yeah so I mean we but we co-parent fine now I don't know that we always see eye to eye but it's well you can't you're human right yeah yeah and our kids are older I want to get to the juicy good stuff which to me is not the story it is thank you for sharing that to me the juicy good stuff is how do you help women discover who they really are because let's say they got you know you talk about it life throws us a curveball you got like a curveball and a punch in the face so when you get that (laughs) punch in the face right how do you rediscover like who 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 am i yeah it's it's a hard um it's a hard process to go through, especially if you don't have someone guiding you. Like if you're just, if you're just falling into it and you know, like it, it, there's a lot of stumbling and picking yourself back up. Um, but what I do with, um, because I want people to learn this um, more gracefully than I did. <laughs> um, I, you know, the first thing I do with women, we tend, as women, we tend to get stuck in this place where, you know, we're, we're so many things to so many people. Yeah. And, you know, and like, we, we feel like we have to be that, but, but we also feel guilty for wanting more. And so as women, we're kind of conditioned, I think, to kind of- Can we just identify this for a second? The guilt is exhausting. It is. Yeah. The guilt is almost like the cousin of like the body stuff. Like, it's like, it doesn't serve us. It takes away, like, so- we, we're doing all this stuff. We're working, we're taking care of kids, we're single parenting, we're, you know, trying to show up in any possible way. We're taking the high road like crazy. And then we want to do something for ourselves. And then we're like, oh, I should be doing, I should, or I shouldn't. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's just like with women that have, we, when we have a hard time, like spending time on ourselves, like self-care, it's like, no, you actually do need to spend time taking care of yourself because if you don't, you can't actually show up for the people in your life that need you and love you. But um, one thing that I try to impress upon my clients is that like, it's okay for you to want more. Like you can be a good mom, you can be a good wife, you can be a good whatever you are, but you can also want something more for yourself and you can do well at both of those things. You don't, it's not one or the other. It's not black or white. And if I remember correctly, you're a triathlete. I was, I haven't for a while. I have sort of, let's just be real. Okay. You are an athlete. You might not have been doing the same activities, but once you don't just become a triathlete, you're an athlete inside of yourself. And I I know that because we talk about running, even though we do it slowly, it doesn't matter (laughs) because 
So here's the deal. I'm now for the rest of my life, most likely will not be able to just straight run anymore because I get so many injuries because of my eating disorder. And so what I do now after many, many injuries is I do intervals of running and walking. And when you see me on the street walking, my little ego dies every single time because I want to be like, I'm also running. Right. But it doesn't matter. Like you had one of your podcast episodes, you know, you talked about that. It's, it's about me. It's about me and the universe and getting connected and finding out back to who I am. Yeah. So when you're, when you're meeting the women and you're telling them it's okay to want more, how do you help them get to a place where there's clarity about what they want? Yeah, that's a really great question. I actually have a like an intro program for new clients that do, it, it's sort of a quick wins kind of thing where it's just a lot of times we have trouble taking action because we don't really know what to do. The first thing I do is we look at where in your life you are not necessarily happy. Well, actually, we look at all the kind of different areas of your life and just kind of see, you know, how happy are you here versus there. But then the second thing I have people do is this exercise where it's like, if you were, if your life, if you felt like your life was amazing, what exactly in excruciating detail does that look like? And it's amazing to me how many people have a hard time doing that exercise because people that we forgot how to dream. Like we forgot, we forgot to do that. We forgot that it's okay to have huge dreams. And even if your dreams aren't huge to you, maybe your dream is to, you know, have more time with your family or, you know, you don't need to dream to have a $10 million mansion. Like your, your dream could be to be able to get out and exercise an hour a day or, you know, whatever it is for you, like you define that. But, um, that's what we do is we go through and what would your amazing life look like if you were totally happy? And that doesn't mean you're happy every single minute of every single day, but like overall, if you're really satisfied with your life, what does that look like? And um, that's really where it starts is like to get people thinking. And what that does is it gets people to think, oh, wow, I have all these possibilities. Like I'm not just stuck here letting life happen to me. I actually can, I can do something else. And the step after that is to really kind of work on the thoughts because our thoughts kind of hold us back. Our mindset holds us back and tells us, well, we can't do that. I can't do that because X, Y, and Z. But when, when people start realizing that you can choose your thoughts, Mm. like a game changer and you can, like, it's not always easy, but you can absolutely do it. And that's like the practice, the work. And that's what, can you give us an example of choosing your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people, well, I'll just use a really, uh, let's see, let me think about this for a second. Um, so let's use, we talked about eating disorders before or feeling, you know, yucky about our bodies. Yeah. Like, let's say we look in the mirror and we're like, oh God, look at how fat my stomach looks. I'm so gross, whatever. Okay, well, like that doesn't make you feel very good. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so if you, I mean, you think that, right? So that thought leads to a feeling and then you go and maybe you go purge and binge and purge if you have an eating disorder or maybe you restrict food if you're anorexic or something. So, um, and this is very simple because simplistic if you relate it to eating disorders because eating disorders are much bigger than this. But um, for the purpose of the example, you can decide like what I did with my, when I realized I was beating myself up and I didn't want my daughter to do that, I decided that I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on not thinking those things about my body. So now when I look in the mirror, it started with, it's not bad. You know, it started with that. Mm -hmm. It's not bad. I'm 47. It's not bad. Mm -hmm. And you know, so you work your way closer to, I'm cool with this. That's pretty good. 
I, I'm pretty good for 47. You know or you know what I do? Because I don't think I'll ever have the belly that I want because I only had it once and it was actually during my divorce when I was like ridiculously underweight to the point where people were coming up to me on a daily basis going, oh my God, you're so skinny. Yes. And I was like, thanks. And I was like not eating and I couldn't like keep anything down. But now I just turn around because I love my ass. So I just look in the mirror and look at my ass. I'm like, check out that ass, right? So when yes. my husband takes pictures of me, I tell him to take them of my ass because I'm not in love with the belly. So you got to yeah. kind of turn it a little bit. You can, you can always, you can always find a way to reframe it. So it works for you. You know, um, another example, um, I just thought of an example and it left me, um, um, I thought of, well, another example is, oh, this is a great example. Actually, when I, um, was going through my divorce and so, you know, I was a stay at home mom, part-time photographer for so long, but then like it kind of reality set in, I'm like, okay, I'm actually going to have to like do something else. Cause I need right. to eat eventually <laughs> once the alimony runs out. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I hired a coach to kind of help me figure it out. And that's a long story. But um, after some sessions, I was like, wow, you must really love being a coach. Like, this is really awesome. I would love, that seems like a really cool job. And she's like, well, you should think about it. And I was like, well, I can't do that. I don't know how to be a coach. I don't know if I can, I mean, I don't know if I can make money doing that. And she said to me, these words changed my life. She said, well, what if you can? And I was like, Oh, well, I love, I that's... love, you might've just given me my next tattoo, right? I, oh, you just gave me an idea. I have one tattoo, but I think I need that. On my I head. do too. You need it on the inside of your arm so you can read it like notes. So you know what to do. That's well, good... What if you can? That's a great idea. I always say like, I won't get another tattoo until I know something. That's, that's a really good one. Good one. Well, what if you can, I want to end there because it is so good. And I, I realized in the beginning of doing my podcast that I was like, every person I talk to right now, I want to talk to you forever. And it's because I finally found my people because I want people like you who inspire me and call me out and say like, well, what if you can, Oh, you know, I want you to tell everybody where to find you. And then I'm going to include it in the show notes. Yeah. Well, you can um, go to my website, CourtneyRivard.com. Um, that's probably the, a great place to start. Um, Facebook, I'm Courtney Rivard Life what Coach. What about your podcast? Yes. I was going to get to that. Instagram, I'm also a Courtney Rivard Life Coach. And then I have a podcast called Real Brave and Unstoppable, which it's Carly so will be It's so good. And the cover is so good. It's so good. <laughs> But I, I love it. It's kind of, it's definitely a like labor of love. Um, it's a, I, my goal is to tell stories of authenticity and courage and really just going for it. Um, it's kind of inspired by my grandpa. He passed away almost a year ago and he was very a positive guy. And he would always say, you just got to go for it. Um, my nickname is Corey. So he'd always be like, you just got to go for it, Corey. Life's too short not to. And so I just always sort of, I kind of feel like I've inherited that little bit of spunk and grit from him. And he's just such an inspiration in what I do. So um, that's kind of where that. I love that so, so much. And then that'll go with, and I'm going to put a positive spin on it. My grandfather who passed away, his life like motto was life, get it over with. And the, re the reason I like that, I don't use it as like, I want my life to end. I use it as when I don't want to do something that's hard or scary, I just get it over with. Like, just, just do it. Just do it. So we've got, what if you can, and you just got to go for it. Life's too short because you just have to get it over. Just keep going. Like we, we can't, yeah. you know, we're going to take everything apart to, to pieces. And what if this happens? And what if this happens? But you just talked about it. Life throws us curveballs You cannot plan for. Yes. Always. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. It was, it was so wonderful. I, I can't wait to connect again soon.
Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. For any listeners out there who want help with divorce coaching, please contact me at inyourcornercoach at gmail.com. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and the world around us. Have a great day.